the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. We've got a number of scriptures that we're reading today in the book of Judges. And uh, <laughs> the, the title of the message that I have today, it's about Gideon and go in the strength that you have. And I've been quite excited about uh, speaking this. So I pray that it comes off as, as much as it, it comes off as well as I have uh, anticipated uh, presenting it. So it, go in the strength that you have is the challenge that was given to Gideon. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the setting that, that all of this takes place. So I'm going to jump through the chapter 6 and, and 7 uh, of, of Judges. And so I, I didn't want to read the entire text, uh, but you can do that on your own. But I want us to start with Judges chapter 6, beginning at verse 1 through verse 6. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. Because of the power of Midian was uh, too, too oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Uh, so, so we got this enemy coming against Israel. And so in order to uh, um, protect themselves, they went into the mountains and the caves and so on to, to, to protect themselves. So, verse 3. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midians, the Amalekites, and the eastern people invaded the country. They camped in the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Then we go to verse 11 through 18. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joas the Abazrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. <clears throat> when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But, sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us under the hand of the Midians. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of the Midians' hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon said, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and will strike down all the Midians together. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Then verse 33. Now all the Midianites and Amalekites and the other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, summoned the Ab Abazites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also unto Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they went, uh, to meet, so they went up to meet them. Okay? So we got... 
two opposing forces. The, the, the uh, Amalekites and uh, the, you know, the eastern people have come together. They've crossed in, into the area of Jezreel. Gideon now calls for the armies uh, and, and the people of Israel to come together, and they're going to have battle. Then we go to chapter 7, verse 1. Early in the morning, uh, Jerubbabel, that is to say Gideon, and all the men camped in the spring of uh, Herod, the, the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the, the hill of Morak. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men to deliver Midian into your hands. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them from, for you there. If I say there is one going to go with you, he shall go. But if I say one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men to the water, and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongue like a dog, from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred men lapped with their hands to their mouth. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men that lapped will I save you and give the Midians into your hands, lest all the other men go, uh, go. let all the other men go to his own place. So he dismissed, what, ten thousand more, nine thousand seven hundred. So he's got 300 left. And with those 300, we move to ch chapter, verse 16 through 22. Divide the 300 men into three companies. He placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. So they all have trumpets. They all have uh, empty jars with a torch inside the jar. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I, when I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with each with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets, broke the jars that were in their hands, the three uh, companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midians ran, crying out as they fled. And when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. Wow, that was a long along uh, reading, but it gives to us um, an idea of what happened here with Gideon in this, in this scenario for, the, for my message today. But it, it's something that you want to go back and read over and read the entire context of it. And, and we see here where Gideon is, is told, you know, Gideon is facing a problem. And um, the overall, there is this verse 14, it says, go in the strength that you have, all right? Go in the strength that you have. Well, for most of us, and for, for myself, you know, particularly, 
looking at the, the place that we live, look at the, the, you know, the surroundings that we live in, we live in the land of not enough. <laughs> you know, that we know that this land of not enough contradicts what God wants in our lives. You know, we know that the scripture says, my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So we know that God is saying that his grace and his strength are there. But most of the time, uh, well, how many, how many of us have ever told God, I don't have what it takes. <laughs> I don't have enough. All right? As if accomplishment is this hole that I have to fill in, and I don't have enough to fill in the hole. So if I'm going to do something with my life, I have to find something to fill this hole, and I don't have it. So my, my goal then is to go and get what I need to fill in the hole, to fill in this accomplishment in my life. I need more talents. I need more time. I need more strength. I need more knowledge. I need more education. I need more this. I need more that. But the challenge here that we find with Gideon is go with what you already have. Now, that doesn't mean, well, I should go with what I have, I should quit school and go. No, no, it's not talking about that. We're talking about go with what you have is that if we need to go and, and to achieve uh, better things, more things with our life, we need to not sit back and wait for the door to open. I remember, uh, or wait for something to happen. I remember uh, visiting someone a number of years ago. And I, you know, I went to their house and I'm talking to them and and they were telling me about all the needs that they had and that they were just waiting they were waiting for a job i said well have you have you put out applications uh, well no i said well have you talked to anybody about getting a job well no i said do you get the paper and look for jobs no i said well how do you expect to get one he said oh i'm believing god to send somebody to my door and knock on the door and give me a job hello <laughs> I said, well, if you haven't told anybody you want a job, you haven't put an application out there for a job, you haven't been looking for a job, and you're sitting at home doing nothing, I don't think you're going to get one. Oh, but I'm believing God. Go in the strength that you have. Go with what you've got and progress. Go with what you have and make your applications to your colleges. Go and make your applications to your jobs. Go and make your applications to further your education. You see, we look at this and we say that we need more. Our reasoning says this. If what I had was enough, I would have accomplished what I wanted to do a long time ago. If what I am and what I have is enough, I would have filled in this hole, this hole of need in my life. So therefore, since I haven't filled it in, I don't have what it takes. That's reasoning. It's obvious then that there's something lacking. So, so we stop and ask ourselves the question, what will it take to accomplish God's best for my life? What will it take to accomplish God's best for my life? What does God need to do in me to make the impossible possible? What does God need to do to make the impossible possible? What does God need to do to convince me to go in the strength that I have to fill in and start filling in the hole? Now, 
when we think, you know, sometimes there's, you know, there's always different ways to approach the strategy. If you're digging a hole and, and, you know, and, it's, and it's so deep that you can't get out, it's time to stop digging the hole. Did you know there was this there was this donkey that fell in the hole, and uh, they couldn't get it out, so they decided to, well, you know, just bury the donkey. So they started filling in the hole, but the donkey was smart enough to know that if he just kept tromping and shaking the dirt off, that they filled in the hole, he eventually got out. If you walk around the track and you fall in the same hole, fall in a hole, that's part of life. You walk around the track and fall in the hole the second time, okay? But after a while, walking around the same parts of life, falling into the same hole becomes an IQ test. Sometimes you just ain't too bright. Okay? There's lots of things we can do with this hole, all right? But most of the time when we're looking at this hole, we've got to re we think of ways that we should have been filling it in or things that we should be doing, but yet we don't do it because we are lacking something. Well, let's look at Gideon. Gideon was trying to survive. Gideon was trying to survive. He needed food for his family. So in the first chapter 6 and verses 1 through 6, we have a problem. We have the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the other eastern people invading the country. They camped in their fields in the fields of Israel. They camped in their fields. What did they do when they camped in the fields? They tramped down the crops. They ate the crops. They took all of their livestock. And when they were done, when the people left, it was like there had been a horde of locusts through and just cleaned out everything. They came with so many people that they couldn't even count them. So these invaders impoverished Israel. These invaders impoverished Israel. They created hard times that were upon Gideon and his family and, all, and the entire nation. So because of others, because of their scheming and plotting and raiding, Israel was in this deep need and Gideon and his family were impoverished because of others. So what did Israel do? They cried to God for help. So the first thing we have to do is plan to pray. Okay? We need to plan to pray. Pray to ask God for help and wisdom and guidance in the situation. Not think that, well, you know, we're, we're stuck here and we've got this great problem and I can't do anything about it, so therefore we are stuck in the cycle of walking around the track and falling into the same hole. We need to pray about it. Pray about wisdom. To not be so blind to fall into the same hole every time we walk around the track. We need to pray for strength and understanding to be able to avert the holes, the potholes of our life. And some of those potholes were created by other people, as was this situation. So where was Gideon? Verse 11. Where was Gideon at? Anybody tell me where Gideon was at in verse 11? Where was he at? He was in the wine press. What was he doing in the wine press? Threshing grain. You don't 
fresh grain in a wine press. <laughs> okay? That doesn't go together. The threshing floor was generally up on a hill where, or a mound where the, where the you know, where they put the, where they put those wind turbines for the, for the electricity. Where do they put them? They put them on a hill. Why? Because that's where the wind blows. How do you thresh grain? You would take the grain and you would, in the stalks, and you would throw it in the air, and the wind would come and blow the chaff away, and the wheat and the grain would fall because it was heavier than the chaff. Well, where is he? Where, why isn't he doing that? He's hiding from the Midianites and the invaders because they'll come and steal his grain. So he's in the wine press. The wine press is this place in, in a vineyard, and it's generally where you keep the wine is a hole in the ground. It is a hole dug out of the ground and it's like a cistern. And it's, it's a, dug out of the stone so that it doesn't leak. And, and, it's, and it's either he is there in this wine press hiding in the vineyard or he's actually down in the hole here throwing the, throwing the weed in the air trying to separate the chaff from the grain and there's no wind. That's a hard job. And so he's there in hiding. So Gideon is in this place of hiding. And so, I don't know if you've ever worked around grain and stuff, but it is a dusty, dirty job. All right? Well, I used to ride the combine. You know, we had this combine in which pulled it behind the tractor, and you put the bags on there, and you would have uh, the grain would come into the bags, and then you would, that was before they had those bins, you know. I always thought the combines with the bins on and they could just auger it into the truck. Those people were rich. <laughs> we had these bags, these burlap bags, and we would fill them up and we'd lay them on this little chute. And, uh, and it was so dusty and dirty, you'd put, you'd put stuff around your face, you know, and you're just like crawling with dust and dirt. And when you got off of there, <clears throat> you couldn't breathe. It was, it was a mess, and they'd pile up the bags, and you'd reach a certain spot, you'd put the lever, and they'd fall off, and you'd have all the bags lined up so you'd come later and pick them up with a the truck. Well, Gideon is in this dirty wine press, throwing this grain in the air where there's no wind, there's nothing going on, it's not separating, and he's hiding from the Midianites, and he's hiding from all these people, and what's he doing? He's saying, verse 13, what's he saying? What's he saying? But, but, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? <laughs> He's kind of ticked, I think. He's kind of upset. If God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles that God has abandoned us and he's left us into the hand of the Midianites? You know, Dad, if we were really good farmers, we wouldn't have this combined we would have one that has an auger and a bin, and I wouldn't have to be sitting here breathing in all this dust and doing all this dirty work, and I wouldn't have to be doing all this, and, and we, you know, I could be doing something else. <laughs> How does God respond to Gideon? Verse 14. How does he respond? Well, the Lord turned to him and said, <laughs> Go in the strength that you have. 
Go in the strength that you have and save Israel. I'm sending you. Hmm. Gideon wants God to do something. And the answer to Gideon's prayer is that God wants Gideon to do something. You know, there's a quote that I remember reading years ago. It says, we are a part of the answer to every prayer that we pray. We are a part of the answer to every prayer that we pray. Now, here's a question. Does our ability to see a need speak to the idea that we can help meet that need? <laughs> Does our ability to see that there is a need speak to the idea that we can be a part of the answer to that need? doesn't mean that we have to fix it all and it's all upon you and I to end world hunger. You know, there's hunger, we see it. But is there a, a part of us that can help meet the need of those who are hungry? Maybe in our own area, our own community. If we are moved by world hunger. Are we part of that being able to see a need and meet that need? You see, God is our source. He can use others. He can use us. So what do we see when we look in the mirror? Do we see possibilities? Or are we like Gideon? Verse 15, what does Gideon see? He says, well, my family background, we're not the, we're not the best tribe in the, of all the bunch. And my family, of course, I'm the least of my family. So if you take my tribe, we're not the best of the tribes. And if you take me and my abilities, I'm the least of all the ones in my family. I am the least of everyone. So <laughs> Gideon is basically saying, I can't go in the strength that I have because I have none. I can't go in the strength that I have. So I'm just going to sit here and complain. And you, Lord, can find somebody else. But what makes the difference for Gideon and what makes the difference for us? Verse 16. I will be with you and I will strike down all the Midianites together. I will be with you. I will be with you. See, the, the, the majority in any group is you and God. The majority in your life is you and God. The deciding factor is you and how the God's word influences who you are. So I will be with you. The Bible tells us, what does the Bible tell us? That, we are, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible says, the scriptures tell us, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says that. So God is telling us that you are not alone in this. I will be with you. And you and I together will accomplish the task. It's not you alone go off and do your thing. God, and we can't sit back and say, oh God, you go ahead and do it and I'll wait here. And well, neither can we sit and complain about, you know, this is a dusty, dirty job. We should hire it out. <laughs> One common misunderstanding is the idea that God's guidance will come to us out of the blue. Okay? Sometimes we think that, that God is just going to up and, you know, hit us over the head. Will someone take this offering plate and come up behind me when I'm not looking and hit me over the head with it? Yes, Brian, you did. No, just sit down. 
<laughs> to be too anxious for that one. But the idea is that we think that guidance is from the guidance of God is going to just show up like that. That we're going to be walking down the road, walking down through life, and all of a sudden it's going to hit us over the head, and it, oh, it's going to become clear to us. Doesn't work that way. <laughs> Often God is at work in the circumstances that we are in to give us the insight that we need to handle the difficulties that we are facing and that he is going to give us the strength and the wisdom and the guidance we need right where we are at. God is not going to take us someplace else. He is going to take us, he's going to be with us where we are at to, go, to grow on from here. What if, right now, what if the present circumstances, what if the current people, the good and the bad and the ugly, those, are the, the, those who are robbing us, those who are in, taking, uh, taking what does not belong to them, those who leave nothing, they are like the locusts in our life, and they place you in need uh, of, of, of help and that this is exactly where we need to be. Why? Because God wants me, God wants us, you and I, to deal with it. For Israel and for Gideon, the miracle is not in the removal of the enemy. The miracle is not in the removal of the enemy. The miracle is in how the God moved through Gideon to accomplish the miracle. See, it isn't necessarily the outcome that is as, as, is as important as how that God arrives at that and how that God arrives at working through us, how that God arrives at working through you and I. For Israel and Gideon, the miracle is in how that he is working through him and he gives Gideon this wonderful advice, go in the strength that you have. You mean I don't need something more? I don't need... I don't need other talents. I don't need other abilities. I don't need other people. Go in the strength that you have. Begin, begin the process with what you have. God is telling us, apply what you know. Take the word of God that you know. Take the, what God has already placed in your life and in your, in your mind and in your heart and go with it. So whenever, but whenever we live in this land of not enough, we want a greater revelation. Well, what revelation do we need that supersedes that you will never be alone? What revelation do we need that God will never leave us nor forsake us? With God, nothing is impossible. What greater revelation do we need? God is... For Gideon and for us, God is accelerating the abilities that we possess. God is accelerating the abilities that we possess. The angel of the Lord is coming to Gideon and he's telling him, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you in this and we will do this together. And where did he come to him at? He came to him in the wine press. 
in this wine in this wine press which is not the place for threshing of grain but Gideon had some roadblocks Gideon's roadblocks were who's going to take care of my family when I go off to war he doubts the call that God has for him it's as if God has come and he's made a mistake and of course he feels inadequate to the task hello sounds like us sound like you and I when you look at the tasks that are before us do we feel adequate do you feel that it's that there are other there are other obstacles you know a wise person is able to understand where they're at and see what the problems are and see what the difficulties are and but also the wise person who is wise in the spirit and in the understanding of God sees how the God can work in their life and it goes through a step-by-step process God met Gideon and he challenged him with questions and he, and he, cha- he, cha- he challenged Gideon's questions and made Gideon come to some con- some very tough conclusions So we do not need to destroy something in order to move on from it. We need to grow on from where we are at, knowing that God is the one who blesses and who has the ability to take his word and inspire it to our hearts and minds. Can we visualize the benefits of what God wants to do? Can we visualize the benefits of what God wants to do in our life? That it's, it's not all a bed of roses, but there is a way in which God is at work, working through us, bringing his word and our life together so that they are able to accomplish the, the purpose. You know, Gideon could see the benefits of his land being free from the invaders. He could see the crops that they grow being eaten by his own children and his own family. He could see the benefits of the livestock not being slaughtered and taken off to other countries. Understand that your weakness is something that is part of our life, but it is not the defining moment of our life. Imagine Gideon being told, you have too many men to go to war. You know, there is this invading army. There are so many people, you can't even count them. So Gideon, I want you to get rid of 20,000. <laughs> Whoa, okay. You know, uh, um, uh, well, if you say so, God. Okay, we've got 10,000 left. Okay, Gideon, you got too many. You need to, you need to thin them out. Uh, well, God... You know, we've got these people, there's so many of them, we can't even count them, and you want me to get rid of 10,000, well, maybe 5,000. Okay, this is what I want you to do, Gideon, that there are those who will get down on their knees and drink from the water, and there are those who will take their hand and bring the water up to their mouth. The ones who bring the water to their mouth are the ones you keep. Of 10,000 people, 300 brought the water to their mouth. I think Gideon would have preferred the other one. (laughs) Why is God doing this? Because God wants us to know that it's not only about us, it's about how that God will work through us. And if if we defeated the enemy with uh, 30,000 people, we would say, well, you know, look what I did. 
God is trying to teach us that he is at work in our life and he wants to show us and prove to us, let us experience what our faith in him can do. So what does Gideon do? He took 300 people. And in verse 7 says, God declared, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. So God, and so here is 300 men and a promise. I will give these people into your hands. Now, God doesn't tell Gideon at this point how he's going to do it. He just says, you've got to do it with 300. All right, all right, now that I've got 300, how are we going to do this? All right, we've got a plan. Now, how many, don't, how many of us know that sometimes we have to take steps forward before the plan is revealed? <laughs> we can... We can be on a board of a ship while it's in dock and we can turn the wheel all we want and the ship doesn't move, nor does the direction change. But as the ship is in motion, the turning of the wheel, the rudder, turning of the rudder has an influence on where it ends up. And as we go, as we are going about our life and believing and praying and asking God for help, it is as we take our next steps and as we depend, grow our dependency upon God, things change. And so what happens with Gideon? Go in the strength that you have. And what is he doing? He's taking 300 soldiers. What are the 300 soldiers? Okay, now here's the plan, Gideon. I want you to take 300. Now 100 go with you, 100 on the other side, and 100 on the third. So you put all these people behind you. And what you do is you, you, you fall, get in place. Get in place. Have your torch in the jug. Nobody knows. Nobody can see it. And you have your trumpets. So when you're all in place at Gideon's command, everybody breaks the jar, holds up the torch, and blows the trumpet. You got 300 people. Now, one of the things is this. Military strategists, for every torch, there's a hundred people. But not so tonight. For every torch, there's only a person and a trumpet. <laughs> so when the people and the, the Midianites and the Eastern people who have invaded, whenever they see 300 torches, 300 times 100 is... 30,000? Is it 300,000? 32 zeros, it's 30,000, right? All you mathematicians, help me out here. So you've got 30,000 people surrounding and attacking, and what happens to the camp? The camp gets all disarrayed, and they turn their swords on each other. They start killing each other, and they're running out, <laughs> taking off. And what was, the, what was the command to Gideon? Go in the strength that you have. In our lives, it is God who lights up our life. The light of Christ is our faith. The clay pitcher is the humanness that we have. And when we are broken before God, with the need and the difficulties that we face, we take our need to God in prayer. It's saying that, God, I can't do this in myself. I am broken before you. 
Let the light of Christ shine. And the trumpet that I sound is my faith in God and declaring that God is able to work in my life and God has told me to go in the strength that I have and as I go, He will lead me and guide me. His word will become my strength. His spirit will become what inspires me. His spirit and His wisdom of His word will give me direction and we will see the hand of God move upon my life and change the circumstances and change the surroundings as I go in the strength that I have. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen? That's the challenge of Gideon. 